passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind a Raw. I'm John Pollock along with Waiting. Following three hours of Raw in Dallas, Texas. Hello. Hey, John. How you doing? I'm doing all right. How was your Monday? Monday was okay. Yeah, Monday was good, I would even say. And then, like, at some point during the day, you know, I, I decided to go for a bike ride. Oh. So I went out, and it was actually really pleasant. You know, it's a bit of a warm day, so I waited till like, later on in the afternoon when the sun went down. Um, you know, roads were pretty clear. I had a great time. And then I come home oh, no. and I read that there's a smog alert in the city of Toronto and um, people <laughs> advising not to go outside. So uh, I'm just waiting to uh, for my superpowers to come in from from this uh, deathly smog that apparently is coming down from some sort of forest fire somewhere. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I, I was outside too, so I feel fine. I'm sure you'll be okay. Hopefully. I I don't know. Smog is not one of those things that really faze me. I don't. I've never really had to deal with any kind of smog interference that's ever had any kind of noticeable uh, issue. Well, I mean, it's a long term. Uh, Whatever. Yeah, it's probably nothing. Sure. Probably nothing. Famous last words. Yeah. How are you? What's the update? Um, The update is uh, there is no update yet. I'm in a I'm in a holding pattern. It's uh, you know, just learning how to live without, you know, things that are just frivolous such as hot water, like things that you really you don't need day to day. I mean, stuff like uh, you know, running water and uh laundry, shower, uh dishwasher. I mean, these are all things that do we really need them like overrated, right? Yeah. Very sure. much so. I mean, I uh Cold water is awesome. It's it's great. Oh, refreshing. Yeah, it's it's I'm there. Sure. It's it is water. So that's uh yeah no no update. I'm in a I'm in a waiting mode. These what are not are you, the like waiting for the for the repair people or or what was what's oh I need I need an entire new tank. This is going to be uh tr- unlike Nikki Ash. There, there is no cash in uh, happening w- with myself. There is <laughs> it, it is one way traffic of money going out that will be uh. And time. Well, lots of waiting for this uh, installing process to complete itself. So uh, mm. maybe maybe in a few days we will have some update. It's not going to be tomorrow. Oh, man, that's too bad. Well, 
The invite's always here. You were you were very kind. Way uh, emailed me at the waiting hour of like four forty five in the morning, offering his place if I if I need a place to uh, reacquaint myself with with hot water. It was very kind of you. Thank you, Way. No problem. I'm sure you do the same. Yes, and you gave me a good great rate as well. I checked my funds. I could afford <laughs> the waiting palace. It was a nice rate of yours. Special so, discount. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I got the front rate. Uh, so we have a lot to talk about. A lot of the news tonight is going to be coming out of Raw. There's a few small items, but there are also some big items happening on the post-wrestling menu. We have entered stage three. That means everyone can come indoors now to the post-wrestling cafe and playing on the cinema this week with a review. A special edition of MCU Later starring John Pollock. With Wei Ting and W.H. Park, we're reviewing Black Widow, a movie that I have now seen. Oh, you have watched it. Awesome. Well, thankfully, you don't need hot water to watch movies. So uh, I'm really excited to have you back on talking about the MCU. Dude, I got talking points, okay? I got got takes. I cannot wait. So uh, yeah, we'll be talking about it. Hopefully by now, most people have had a chance to watch it. Um... Seems like if you did watch it, you probably watched it in the first week and not the second because it 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 dropped uh, dramatically at the box office on the second week. So do, we'll do talk- you think some of that has to do with so many people going opening weekend when this was out? Because you, you you're always going to have like that second week drop, and I know this one I didn't really read much about it other than kind of the the headline said it was a big one, but I wonder if there was just so many that were just itching to go to a movie that they went last weekend. Could be, you know, it could be the the Disney Plus premium thing. Like the, it, it could that's be. true. It's yeah, very I, convenient I, to watch it at home. If I'm sure there's a lot of people who want to see it, don't want to go to a theater as well. So there's that mm-hmm. factor. The people that would be most interested to see a movie, they probably want to go right away. But that's only yeah. my theory. I mean, it's sort of a uncharted territory when it comes to film releases. But uh, we'll talk a little bit about that as, as well as, as, of course, the movie itself. And uh, who knows what else on MCU later tomorrow. We're going to chat with WH about Taskmaster. Uh, I'm going to sit back and listen to both of you have an in-depth discussion about Taskmaster. I can't wait because, you know what, John? It's a a wonderful panel, and and I think you're a perfect addition because WH is very much the, you know, seasoned, uh, I would say, comic book reader with encyclopedic knowledge of you know, all of these characters. And you're somebody who's stepping in from a very casual perspective. So the two of you guys colliding, I think, really makes for a wonderful cross-section of opinion. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm excited to talk with uh, both of you. So we have that coming out on Tuesday for all cafe members. Uh, it's actually going to be a uh, double duty this week because WH and I will also have a post-pro res later this week where we're going to preview the Tokyo Dome show and... Uh, all Japan's also got a big card on Thursday. I'm sure we'll talk about the highlights of that with Jake Lee's first Triple Crown defense, uh, the upcoming five-star Grand Prix that I'll mention WH has written an extensive preview of. Uh, it's the Stardom Tournament that starts uh, July 31st. So he has a really big preview that will be on the site uh, later this week uh, if you want to check that out. And uh, Wade, did you want to mention that you have we have an exclusive Wei Ting interview that's dropping oh, on Tuesday. Yes. Yes, yes. Uh, I was contacted by uh, somebody associated with Chaotic Wrestling, and um, you may have heard some of you wrestling fans that they have recently introduced a new championship called the Pan Optic Championship, which is their way of promoting uh, inclusivity 
it is a genderless, I guess, non, no, like, no, everybody is eligible, basically, for this championship. And some people were reacting to the news, um, wondering, well, why would you replace the women's championship with something that is something like this? What does that mean for the women's division? Um, so we reached out to Chaotic Wrestling owner. Chase Del Monte, and he was able to give us a plenty of answers, not just about the that particular question, but also, which is a, a misinterpretation, I, I think, of you know what what they're actually saying, because all their titles are um, eligible for anybody on the roster. Um, but of course, that also raises other questions about the Panoptic Championship. So he agreed to do a Q and A with us on the site. Uh, he'll be talking about maybe the creation of the belt, why they called it the Panoptic Championship and uh, really a whole lot more about intergending itself. So you can find that on the website sometime tomorrow afternoon. Cool. I'm looking forward to checking that out. Uh, and then we have all our all of our regular live shows this week. We'll be uh, doing Dynamite Wednesday night after the second night of Fighter Fest. SmackDown on Friday night at 10.15 Eastern for all patrons where we'll be doing calls. And then a bonus show on Sunday. Way and I will be reviewing Wrestle Grand Slam, the Tokyo Dome show that has just pushed through this pandemic and New Japan bound and determined to book the Tokyo Dome and run a show this Sunday. So that is what we will be discussing this Sunday. It's happening, and and uh, the Olympics are is the this Olympics start on Friday. Oh my! Wow. Okay, it'll be a really interesting um, month, I would say. Oh, it's going to be a very interesting month. There's going to be a lot of focus on uh, Japan, Tokyo, the Olympic Games, and what the fallout of all of this is it is uh actually if you um if you're a fan of uh kara swisher of the new york times she does a podcast and she interviewed uh, dick pound of the ioc and this interview oh my god she is just my favorite name by the way of any governing body official yes yes canadian dick pound uh he is just throwing fastball after fastball after fastball about the Olympics and running these Olympics. It is just a relentless line of questioning from Kara Swisher about these Olympic games. And he's trying to dodge and just, I won't say dodge, but it's like, he's coming from it from the perspective of like the, of course the Olympics have to happen. It's it's just, he is trained and I love it. Yeah. It's a really uh, interesting interview if you want to check that out, but yeah, there will be, Plenty of Olympic coverage uh, beginning this Friday. And a uh, quick shout out to our friends at Up Next. They did a Slammiversary post show over the weekend with Davey and John Ceno. And then they'll be back Tuesday night chatting about NXT and their champion, <laughs> Karrion Cross. I'm sure Holy they have plenty Christ. of thoughts. Yeah. I don't know if any one minute and 41 second match is going to generate so much talk this week as tonight's Karrion Cross Jeff Hardy match will. And we will spend plenty of time talking about Karrion Cross. Uh, so all of that can be found. Postwrestling.com is your one-stop shop, unless you want a detour, to postwrestlingcafe.com for all of our bonus shows, starting off with Black Widow, which will be out, what, Tuesday night? Tuesday night, yeah. Late slash- Tuesday night. Tuesday night slash uh, Wednesday morning. Or what is it? Yeah, Wednesday morning. Yeah. Yes, we're recording on uh, WH Standard Time. Yeah, the man does work late. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you can appreciate the later start time as well. Yes, yes. All right, let's do a couple news items before we get into Raw. Um, oh, uh, we did note this on, on Sunday, but uh, how did you enjoy Martin Bushby's live stream on the weekend? Because you 
did a very rare interview with your brother. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, It was, it was awesome. It was great. And again, congratulations to Martin and Benno for uh, reaching, I I, I haven't checked lately, but I mean, close to 150% of their set target goal of 1000 pounds. That's amazing. Doing a, just a fantastic work. Uh, Those two, just streamed for 12 hours straight with a variety of guests. They initially just invited me on, but when I read what what the goal of the stream and the goal of the charity was, it was Martin raising money for, I believe it's called the Children's Heart Surgery Fund, based mm-hmm. out of the UK. And um, part of the reason is because he, you know, went through an experience with his nephew uh, where, you know, he, I believe the, his nephew was born with some sort of heart issue and, this fund was able to provide um, a place for uh, the, the child's parents to stay, to be close to the child during the, the heart surgery. Mm-hmm. And little did I know um, that Martin went through this because I've been through something similar with my own nephew, you know, with my, my uh, and, and my brother, you know. So um, my brother's uh, child was born with a, a bit of a, you know. A, a, this a, a is your other brother. Condition. My brother, James, the one who was on with me. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Yes. Yes. And so, um, you know, this is a very, this is a cause very, very close to me. And so, uh, you know, I, I wanted to talk to my brother initially just to kind of get a bit of a glimpse of, hey, like, can you explain kind of what exactly you went through? And then I decided, well, who better to actually tell the story than the man himself? So Martin agreed to bring him on. And uh, I, you know, it was the first time I've, I've done a podcast with my brother. And I had a, a it, was, it was a great place to, you know, be able to convey that story and that experience. So thank you, Martin, for that. Wow, that was going to be my question. If you and your brother had ever done uh, an interview together, no, we we have now set the goal. Like where we have to do a catch up on your mysterious third brother, who I've never okay. met. I've never met your third brother. You you will meet him. Second brother, technically. Yeah, you will meet him at at, at the wedding actually. So his name How is you? what again? His name is Kenny. Kenny, I I yeah. seriously did not know that. I don't think you have ever told me his name because. It doesn't even ring a bell. I've only no. known James. I've got to meet James. James is great. In Tokyo, that's right. Yeah. How about you? Have you done a podcast with your brother? That's the better question. Um, I'm trying to think if him and I ever like would have recorded something when we were like in high school together. We might have. But it, it wouldn't was, have broadcast you, you were both big wrestling fans at the same time. He was – him and I followed it together for a while – and then I, I've told this story before. It was my brother that started working with the law well before I did and worked there for like several years, uh, mainly with with Merrick. And then he like he was really into it and probably more than me, to be honest. And then he dropped it cold, just done. No more wrestling. This was around 2002, I would say, and just never watched it again. He never asked me about anything. He didn't want updates on anything. He just completely dropped it like a bad habit. And maybe maybe for the best. I think he is the most elusive guy that we can ever find to get to do one of these podcasts. Yes. Jeff. He, uh, his, his advice to me was uh, <laughs> when I was going to school was the real money's in TV, John. Don't bother with radio (laughs) (laughs) or something to that effect. It's like, okay, noted. (laughs) He was not wrong for the time, but I mean, no, no. I mean, it's, it's night and day of the, you know, the, the, the amount to make, especially if you're doing on air, it's like, yeah, yeah, there's, there's no comparison. Yeah. Well, 
Unless you're like absolutely tippy top in the radio market. I mean, you look like a a John Derringer, but that's a very, very rare spot to have today in radio. Anyway. Yeah. So there you go. Um, I don't know if any of these uh, interviews are available from Martin, but uh, a lot of uh, the post people were on this. He mentioned that they would be archived, so I'm I'm sure we'll, we'll find out about it somehow. All right, let's shift on over. Friday's episode of SmackDown, a very strong number. Uh, this is coming from our good pal, Brandon Thurston, uh, reporting 2,310,000 viewers, their highest since January 22nd, uh, with a 0. .66 in the 18 to 49 demo. That translates to 852,000 viewers in the demo, their best in, in 18 to 49 since January 15th. So a very big number for SmackDown. Canada, they did 176,500 viewers. um, And that was going against a Blue Jays game with Texas. So they certainly got the bump way. And I think that they're going to ride some of this. I mean, with with Cena advertised for the show on Friday, you have quite a bit announced for Friday. Um, You're doing the the festival in Miami, and they have announced that it's going to be Bianca Belair and Carmella in a rematch. which was not really a match that was booked to come out of it with an immediate rematch um, after the KOD finish. They probably didn't know that they were going to do it. Well, we're getting it. And for the first time ever on January, on July the 23rd of a given year, Big E's taking on Apollo Crews. (laughs) Yeah. For the first time. (laughs) Wow. Really? And, And those, those two matches I believe are at the festival. Okay. I mean, I, guess, I suppose the setting will be fresh. You know, they'll be doing it in front of a... I, they did do it in front of a live audience at WrestleMania, didn't they? Yes. Um, they'll be doing it in front of a different live audience, I suppose, this First time, time so. ever Big E and Apollo Crews have had a match at a festival in Miami. You know what? <laughs> right. Uh, I believe Wally is a part of that Rolling Loud Festival. I don't know if he's performing. Oh, then day, he but... should totally play his play him to the ring i absolutely think so that's a great link to have biggie and wale if wale is uh involved with this This is the the rolling loud festival i'm i'm kind of interested to see it i especially if you know you like it works with the crowd there i think it could be cool yes and i also think it would be the perfect place to well you know what i say that with a caveat because i mean if bianca beller is going to have that match there one would think that that would be the uh, you know a prime place to reintroduce Sasha Banks, um, but it really depends on the crowd because I mean the last thing you'd want is you know a crowd to not react big to you know a professional wrestler's re debut. <laughs> it, um, it's like they're they're getting like insurance policies. Like Big E comes out with Wale, yeah. uh, Snoop introduces Sasha or something. Like you just you pair them off so that it's guaranteed like they get the big pop because of their affiliation. Yeah, I mean, you know, whatever happens, I mean, I I do expect Sasha to to return um on this fr- this Friday, but maybe not. Maybe they'll they'll delay it and save it for something else. And Tony Storm's debut is also happening this Friday. Um, another note on the SmackDown roster from PW Insider is that Naomi has quietly been moved to SmackDown. Yeah, no um, no angle. Today. Um, we'll see if they. What do you think is the the ceiling for an explanation on Friday? I think that the most we get is that uh, SmackDown has picked up Naomi's contract. For future considerations. Yes, yes, of course. Long-term considerations that they will be <laughs> mulling over for months. Yeah, whatever. Like, 
It's fine. Like, she really wasn't doing anything on, on Raw. I hope this actually means that they're going to go ahead with her. A lot of people were, you know, discussing her potential addition to the bloodline. I wonder if they'll do that. I don't know how well Naomi would work as a heel. But certainly, like, you know, the, the real-life behind-the-scenes aspects of it, having her back there with her husband, um, obviously, I think will be beneficial. AEW has announced that they will be going to the University of Cincinnati at the Fifth Third Arena, which is an interesting name for an arena, on September 8th. So this will be the the dynamite following all out. And this is another pretty sizable venue. It hold, I don't know what the capa- what the configuration will be for AEW, but it holds 12,000 for basketball. And you're coming out of the pay-per-view. So that means that month they're running this place on the 8th in Cincinnati, which is also Moxley's hometown. So you would figure he'd be a big part of that show. The next week is Newark. The following week is Arthur Ashe. And then the final Wednesday of the month is Rochester at the Blue Cross Arena. So those are all major venues they are running in the month of Wednesday, as opposed to like your three to 4,000 seat venues. These are all big venues in September. Um, And I'll be curious to see what the appetite is like for in Cincinnati, if they can, you know, do a solid uh, attendance figure, but all, all notable places that they're running. I think September, you could argue is their most important month since their first month of operation on, on television, at least to establish themselves. Like this is a big month when it comes to their perception, especially in the, the New York Northeast market. Absolutely. You know, they're really trying to, I would say, make up for lost time. And I think they probably feel quite confident given maybe the success of some of these other sales so far in that region. So um, worth a shot right now, you know, no better time to maybe go big than after all this kind of pent up demand from not touring for over a year and a half. Uh, Kota Ibushi missed yet another New Japan show today. This was the card in uh, Ibaraki, and they announced over the weekend that he was being pulled due to illness. Now, this followed uh, several other missed shows recently where he they had stated that he had had uh, side effects from a, a COVID vaccination shot. Uh, with this one, they said it was due to illness and that they gave him a PCR test, which came back negative. Uh, as of now, he is listed for... New Japan's got a big week. They've got Thursday and Friday in Osaka, Saturday in Nagoya at Dolphins Arena, and he is scheduled for tag matches on all three of those shows, teaming with Master Wato against Shingo Takagi and Bushi. Uh, the same match all three nights. And then Sunday is the Tokyo Dome that he is scheduled to headline. So it's they're in a tough spot where they are running these buildings and they certainly need a Kota Bushi. At the same time, I would be not wanting to just throw him into these tags just so that we make sure this guy is as rested as possible for Sunday, where that show is dependent on that match and Kota Ibushi's participation. Because I would say, like, if for any reason Abushi could not wrestle, like, you have Tanahashi in your back pocket because you did do that match with Shingo earlier this year, and Tanahashi's not booked on the Tokyo Dome. He's doing the match with Kenta the night before. But it's, um, I guess, you know, he's missed a lot of shows. So there's that concern about things that he is, I'm sure knowing that, hey, Sunday is, like, you've got to go Sunday. Like, they are dependent upon him. Yeah, it's got to uh, just kind of add even more pressure, um, you know, coming off of a, already a very stressful time for New Japan, not knowing whether or not one of your <laughs> main eventers for your Dome show is going to be okay. 
I would assume that they're being extra cautious given the fact that he is headlining that show. Um, I I hope he is ready. I mean, I hope he's healthy, number one. But, um, you know, for, for their sake, I hope he is ready for Sunday. And I agree with you. If it's a, unnecessary to have him out there for those other shows, then maybe take him off. Uh, although there might be something to be said about just kind of getting that, you know, a bit of a warm up before a big Tokyo Dome show. You're only doing a multi-man match. It's, you know, just that little bit of extra ring time just to kind of get you ready. But it's also Kota Ibushi. The guy's probably training all the time anyway. And, and these are like decent sized buildings are running, especially Nagoya on Saturday. It's like I'm I'm certain like they, they want Ibushi on, on these cards mm-hmm. as well. So anyway, uh, it's it's a big week for New Japan. This is that crazy stretch of shows that they they added these three shows as the lead into the Tokyo Dome. So it's going to be an interesting next couple of days for the company. And the last thing is just the lineups for the next two nights. Uh, NXT is built around uh, the follow-up after last week's big angle where Karrion Cross choked out Samoa Joe. And oh, I geez. could not imagine how you could take a fire extinguisher and do a better job than what they did tonight for that program with Cross and Samoa Joe. But we're going to get the follow-up on Wednesday. I or Sorry, on Tuesday. Dude, they have made this guy feel so lame duck. It's just like you're just counting down to when he loses this title. It just feels so inconsequential. Um, I like when you like people were talking today about um, I just saw, you know, some chatter online about, you know, Finn Balor comes back to SmackDown. Like there's no mention of where he's been. And it's just you add up all these things. And there's a reason, I think, within just the WWE viewer of where NXT is slotted as this inconsequential like it's not treated any more different than nxt uk is like it's off the radar and you wonder why the audience is at this level and remember the the theory of moving to tuesday nights that well now we can build off of raw and send people to the next night there's none of that there's none of that cross promotion and it's they are where they are (laughs) and it's their own internal perception that they send out to their own audience that I think it adds up over time that the the body of the show on Tuesday nights love it or don't like it but it's not even registering with people that they're they're interested in this product because it's perceived as less than on Mondays and Fridays there's certainly a lack of cross promotion in more ways than one <laughs> um and I uh, but, set that one up, didn't I? Yes. We, we were actually discussing this in the pre-chat room with some of the uh, people that, in the Zoom. And uh, yeah, like a lot of people are recognizing now that, you know, on Raw and maybe even on SmackDown with the debuts of Shotzi and Knox, really like their NXT histories are completely disregarded and not mentioned whatsoever. Tonight we had an instance of Charlotte specifically recounting her previous title wins. And Doesn't them include making... the NXT ones. Not not including the NXT championships. Um, it is incredibly strange. Um, it's almost as if... And I feel like you've certainly seen a shift, whether it be throughout the course of NXT's run. Um, but certainly you compare the NXT's debut on Wednesday way back and the importance that they were trying to treat that show at that point to where it is now. Uh, it's a huge difference in how much they are recognizing that brand uh you see what they did to their champion today and i i feel you know beyond i think ruining whatever anticipation most people might have had for cross versus joe it really makes that brand now look unfortunately minor league and inconsequential in one day um 
you know, it's not obviously it's not the end of it. Of course, like everything can be saved just as quickly as you know it could be um, um, uh, destroyed. But it's it, not it's a good all, sign. Like, wait, you add it to the presentation this week. It's not just like handling your champion like that. You're plucking all over Finn Balor. You ignore the Charlotte stuff. Another aspect is that your fan base. Again, I'm talking strictly a. Uh, died in the wool WWE consumer that doesn't follow anything else. Like you're watching SmackDown come back, this pay-per-view, tonight's Raw, and then we're going back to the Capitol Wrestling Center on Tuesday. Like that, I think that stuff does add up over time and that perception does, like it feels like a product that, you know, it's got it's a couple hundred fans in the Capitol Wrestling Center, but it's like such a stark contrast to your, these, everything about Raw and SmackDown is about the crowd now and this huge atmosphere that they're creating where the production is through the roof and the fans are all into the product and nxt just by comparison it's like that's the way you're being presented with it, the product yeah there's there there might be something to that you know how can you justifiably argue that this is a legitimate third brain on equal footing with the other two when you know capacity wise they are so different at the same time, I mean, NXT has its very loyal audience that respects it, not because of the size of the crowd, but because of the quality of the content and the quality of the wrestling and the quality of the characters. Um, so to, it feels like almost like going out of your way to diminish that with some of the booking decisions we saw tonight, I think is totally unnecessary. Uh, so it's only two matches that are announced for Kel Gonzalez against Zia Lee for the women's title and Kushida and Bobby Fish against Roderick Strong and Tyler Rust. And then Wednesday, Fighter Fest 2 in Garland, Texas, has Britt Baker and Nyla Rose for the women's title. Texas death match between John Moxley and Lance Archer. Jericho against Sean Spears with Spears using the chair. Orange Cassidy against The Blade. And they have announced Doc Gallows versus Frankie Kazarian for Wednesday night. Okay, cool. We uh, we see if they can carry on that rating. They're coming off an incredible number last week. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what if that was a, a one week jump with, with the audience or if they could really ride this, um, it's going to be very interesting. This number this week as well, tonight's raw. I think tonight they're coming off a huge pay-per-view, a lot of buzz you had seen on this show. You had the word was certainly out there of people to expect Bill Goldberg and no NBA competition tonight. So raw has no reason to not be well up tonight. So I think this will be a very newsworthy number as well to see what is kind of the general interest in Raw because this would be the show that the casual observer would come check out. So John Cena starts off the show, pretty strong reaction, not quite at Sunday's level, but that was that was just enormous, like a like an all-timer. Uh, he comes out, the place is going wild, and man, Cena is just in fine form here. Yelling for all the people that are filing in late. The show's already started. He points out to a kid celebrating his 11th birthday. What a, a memorable 11th birthday. I'm sure he'll remember that forever. And he reminds all the folks of what city they are in. And they all cheer. Yeah, that's it. And he just is pleading. Stay this loud all night. He notes several things, Way, including the fact that he will likely wear his Peacemaker outfit to the Suicide Squad premiere. Good for him. He's getting, I mean, he's getting his own TV show out of it, so he should promote it. He, he says the reason he is back is you, the fans, but also 
Roman Reigns, and they all boo. He said, I'm here for the Universal Championship. When? SummerSlam. Allegiant Stadium. Why? I can say many things, including the potential of a historic 17th championship. But that's not the reason. <laughs> Wait, is it? I thought it was 16. Is it 17? No? 17 would break it. His, his next one would break it, I guess. Okay, so he's already 16. He's already match flair? I think so. Wow, okay. <laughs> well, anyway, it doesn't matter. It's not why he's here. I should uh, correct myself from last night when I said uh, that Charlotte was at 14. That was all her title reigns, including the the, NX, the two NXT ones and the tag titles that she won with Asuka. That's where the number 14 comes. So uh, she gave okay. us it, 11 is the number they're going with now and omitting the two NXT title reigns. Yeah, in the past, they have included the NXT title They have reigns. included them in the past. And yeah, he says the real reason why I'm doing this is because Roman Reigns is an asshole. And he's an overexposed gimmick that isn't as over as he thinks he is. And he says at the end, and that's coming from me, which, you know, shows a great level of self-awareness. I mean, obviously, um, those lines, you know, ring pretty memorably for me because they felt like the basis of his promo against Bray Wyatt ahead of the Firefly Funhouse match which, you know, the entire thesis of that match was to kind of point out Cena being that person. So um, Cena is coming out here and using that same criticism on somebody else, which I thought was a nice touch. And he says, if you're good, you tell everyone and you demand that they acknowledge you. But if you're great, they tell you as he gets the crowd to all cheer for him and then announces, I'll be at SmackDown on Friday uh, this is a great promo from John Cena. Like he is really like a cut above in this environment. He feeds off the audience so well and is a great promo. I thought he was great here to start the show. He came out here and not only has he not missed a step, it feels like he is operating at an increased level. And I don't even know if that's the case. It could simply be because he's been away for so long that him coming back here at an elevated star power um, maybe just makes us appreciate what he's always done a little bit more. Because, you know, week after week, when, like in the past when we would see him every single week just cut this sort of similar promo, I mean, it was a little groan-inducing and we just kind of didn't care at parts. But that time away, I mean, absence makes the makes the heart grow fonder. And seeing Cena come in, come in here and do his shtick, I, it reminded me a, a lot of The Rock's return for his program against Cena during Cena versus The Miz. And how comfortable and composed and intense his energy was when he came out for those appearances. It just it felt like God had like you know made time out of his busy Hollywood schedule to be here for us. And Cena kind of has that similar aura about him. Riddle comes out, and Cena's still out there, and we got our bro duet between these two. This was kind of like Cena's little endorsement of Riddle. It absolutely was, yeah. Riddle is definitely, uh, you know, just like Big E won the money in the bank, but I mean, Riddle is the guy getting all the airtime who is kind of bubbling underneath that main event surface. Um, so, you know, big big choice here to have a bro off with. And that was Cena's exit, the last we would see of him uh, for the night, and then he's back on SmackDown on Friday. Mike Rome is told to introduce John Morrison as America's Moist Wanted, which now is being sold as a t-shirt. 
And then the Miz squirted Byron Saxton with the drip stick, and it looked like he just drenched this dude. I don't know. It was really wet. So we kick off with the six-man tag of AJ Styles, Omos, and John Morrison against Riddle and the Viking Raiders. They went 12 minutes, 7 seconds. Uh, we came back from break, and we had the heat on Riddle with Omos in the ring. And they did the spot where AJ is launched to the floor by Omos. And then a fun sequence with Ivar and John Morrison in there, flipping over one another. Uh, Ivar missed the moonsault. Morrison missed Starship Pain. And then Riddle grabs the dripstick and squirts Omos. And when Omos finally turns around, Miz has the dripstick. So Omos goes after the Miz, who's wheeling away in his wheelchair. And Morrison gets thrown away by Omos. Morrison is then back into the ring where he's hit with the Viking experience and Eric pins him in 12 minutes and seven seconds. And by the Viking Raiders pinning Morrison, this grants them a another tag title shot next week. Um, okay. Sure. I mean, at least the team that consisted of the champions lost to set up this match. Um, we've had far less, um, (laughs) Lines of logic that have connected uh, performers with title shots. So, well, you mean like t- tonight's main event? Where I mean, all Charlotte had to say was, "I guess I could beat you anywhere," and that was enough to earn a title rematch. Yeah, you can I either mean, if you brag about something into the ether that can land in Pearson Deville's office, that constitutes a title match, or you can lose and just come back. And say, I'm next, and you also can just get a title match. So these are all, vocabulary is the of the utmost. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's right. I, you know, the match I thought was what you expected. Uh, there were some pretty fun spots here with Ivar, who, you know, does a great big little quick man sequence against John Morrison. But um, to me, it was the most notable stuff was some of the comedy here. It's not going to work for everybody, but I think they continued to do a really great job with Miz and Riddle here doing the whole Omos thing, I thought actually received a pretty good reaction from this crowd. So you see a match like this and you see the presentation. Obviously, Riddle is somebody that they're taking very seriously. But I also think like Miz and Morrison are people that they continue to give a lot of screen time to because they find very effective. They're, they're the only ones to receive an entrance besides Riddle for this match. And, you know, they're not going to win a lot, especially if you're John Morrison, but they do remain focal parts of uh, the show. With that new screen they've got, some of the entrances, especially the Seamus one, like they've got some cool graphical elements um, and the holograms mm. that they, they look pretty good for, for some of them. But no portals tonight. No one entering portals to get into the ring. Well, that'll be Friday, maybe. Jackson Riker is staring at me with this extreme close-up and we get a recap of the strap match with Elias and... Jackson Riker says, wait till you see what I do to Elias tonight. I confirm that this was sweat oozing from his pores and not charisma. Because <laughs> we were so close, I could definitely tell in HD. They mentioned Dallas being the home of WrestleMania next year. And Elias is in the ring. Riker interrupts. And says that people are tired of him and no one will ever hear, hear, hello, my name is Elias, ever again after tonight. 
because we've got a symphony of destruction match between Elias and Riker. This stipulation came out of nowhere. Well, you know, you beat a guy in a strap match. The only ne- next step can be musical instruments. Yes, right. We officially have retired the symphony because if ever there was the opportunity, it's when Riker came off the apron and was nailed with the knee that was identified as flying knee connects. Disappointing. It's gone. This was a game of Graves coming up with as many song references as possible and Jimmy Smith um, just teeing them up. We got the gong involved here these guys were just beating the shit out of each other using a piano and then elias grabs a giant bass and this is it was not a cello because that's what Corey graves identified it as and then dude this guy got raked over the michael coles on twitter because you had a lot of bass players that were (laughs) furious about apparently a long history of bass players being credited as cello players and not for the bass. And the bass oh. is a very forgotten instrument because it lives in the shadow of cellos. And therefore, Corey Graves incorrectly gave us the absolute very first and probably only time we will ever hear a reference to Yo-Yo Ma on WWE programming. He called him Yo Mama. Yeah, he called him Yo Mama, which <laughs> sounds like a uh, sounds like a, like an LL Cool J song from like 1993, or a Yo Mama joke. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. Yeah. No. I. I. I think you're probably right about that. I don't see Yo 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 Ma um, guest appearing on a WrestleMania anytime soon. Dude, Elias bled for this. He was bleeding, and then Riker superplexed him off the top through tables on the floor and pinned him in 12 minutes and 46 seconds. I mean, it was uh, a hard-hitting, hardcore match, but it was just, (laughs) I don't know, it's just like, it's like comedy hardcore, and the commentary made it such. Crowd was into this match, you know? I mean, they liked shit breaking, so it was, they have realized with these two that they can put them into violent stipulation matches. And I mean, the last one was not in front of fans, but the strap match was fine. It was three minutes. This, they gave them almost 13. And I mean, it was a hardcore match. I think they realized like these two without weapons for 13 minutes would be very tough. They had a level of card t- participation in this match that worked for this audience. Uh, obviously the audience um, did not get the memo from the uh, double basis because they were yelling cello, cello which was probably another first and only time we will hear a cello chant. And they used the cello. They yelled for the tables, and then they used the tables. So they were connecting with the match. I thought it was a cut above your average plunder match. And, you know, there were some pretty spectacular-looking bumps throughout some of these very solid objects. So probably Riker's biggest success since his return, I would say. But, man, the guy is still awfully, awfully generic. So uh, ways to go, maybe. Uh, certainly. So, uh, Jackson Riker wins again. So that probably means that they will now move on to their next stipulation match. You Riker's so? going to have to beat him in every form of match to have dominance over over this man. Well, what can you do after the symphony of destruction? That's like 
the top. That's like war games. Um, perhaps they will have a wrap off. Those two at the Rolling Loud Festival. They could maybe maybe they'll make an appearance on Friday. Mansoor is in the back with Sonia Deville and Adam Pierce, and they note his great idea, which will get him in front of the WWE universe for the first time. So he never w- won that battle royal at Crown Jewel. That never happened. That's he's the, never wrestled in front of fans. Saudi now. Saudi Arabia is technically out of universe. I think it's an alternate reality, is a different it? dimension. Okay. That that wasn't the same on tour. Um. So he's his big idea is to team with Mustafa Ali on Raw next week. Ali enters and begrudgingly agrees as long as Mansoor doesn't screw up. So I thought this was kind of neat. Like you have two partners that they don't know if they can trust one another. So they're going to be having to work together for the greater good of their successful careers. So I'm kind of interested to see like what happens if one of them doesn't want to help the other and the other one can't trust the other. Like that is the foundation of tag team wrestling. It is a, a unique predicament to find two competitors. Cause I mean, if they, if it doesn't go well, they might have a match with one another. Yeah. So next week is the debut of a uh, Monstafa. Monstafa. Hmm. Seamus then walked in and complained about having to face Umberto Carrillo again. Um, valid he killed this guy last week why why does he have to do it again and then in maybe the line of the year Sonia Deville says we don't give out handouts here on Raw Sonia Deville's character has legit her character has been giving out handouts to Carmella that's exactly what the story is she has not earned any of this stuff and Sonia Deville is handing so Smackdown is is going to be the handout handout show. show Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's the show where uh, the guy... Smackdown is socialism. Sure. You know, that's the show where the guy uh, starts a GoFundMe because he's broke. (laughs) Uh, Raw, you earn, okay? You earn everything you're given. Yeah. Unless you are of a certain status. Uh, Seamus complains about it some more. Charlotte comes out for her championship coronation. Coronation meaning red tarp on the ring. She calls Rhea Ripley a snake and an opportunist, whereas she is the opportunity. Ripley will never measure up. The crowd starts chanting for Becky, who Charlotte says is at home breastfeeding while I'm here dominating the women's division. And the crowd was like, yeah, probably. That's that's a good point. We shouldn't put pressure on her. Uh I mean, if it felt like either you know a line she had prepped for or just a very interesting ad lib. Um, I liked it. So then she goes over her uh, her CV, her edited uh, resume. One time Divas champion, five time SmackDown champion, five time Raw champion, eleven time champion overall. So eleven is the number we are now going with. So they've okay. shaved off two now. Got the memo, sure. So she's still a ways away from, um, I guess, beating Dad and, I guess, beating John Cena. Flair says she could beat Rhea Ripley any night of the week. Why, Charlotte? Why? Why did you word it like that? Ripley comes out and Charlotte laughs, saying, I've got your title. 
And Ripley challenges her. Flair declines because your knee's all messed up. So Pierce and DeVille come out and say, no, 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 no. You said you could beat her any night of the week. And tonight is a night of the week. (laughs) And you have to defend your title in an hour and a half. It's as good as a contract. Said it. They didn't sign a contract, did they? So I don't know. Well, saying it on the national broadcast, I mean, that's as good as that. Yeah. So that's our main event for later in the evening. And Ripley gets another shot. Natalia yeah. and Tamina. You know, like, I would say the, the reaction to the match was, the, to the to the initial tease for Rhea, I, I didn't think it was big. And I think a large part of that is because the crowd just want, wanted to see Becky here. But, like, I feel like they were still holding out hope that Becky was going to show up by the end. And uh, they did something else to make us forget about Becky that I think ultimately satisfied them. But... Tonight, they, they escaped the lack of Becky. I wonder how long they can hold it up. Yeah, I mean, the chants are going to be... I think it's going to follow them. Um, and and they probably by design, they they probably do want actually that reaction. Natalia and Tamina took on Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax with Reginald. Um, not a non-title match. This is a championship contenders match. Yeah, okay. That's yes. what they called this, and that's what they called Lashley's match. Championship mm-hmm. contenders. Yeah, so if you beat so, the champs, you get a title shot. Okay. Unless you're Knox and Shotzi. Then you have to beat them twice. Yes. And still don't have a title match set up. Not, but but it's... Because well, Natalia and Tamina have not said out loud that they could beat them any night of the week. Right. That sure. would be the clincher. So the match was short. Uh, we got... A big German suplex delivered to Baszler. Tamina tags in and super kicks Jax to the floor. Baszler misses with a knee um, by a big margin and gets hit with an elbow strike, gets on top. But then Reginald is on the floor, and this distracts Baszler. As Reginald and Natalia are arguing, Baszler turns around and gets super kicked by Tamina and pinned in 348. So afterwards, Baszler is still pissed off. She said, I'm so sick of this. We used to be unstoppable. And there was a very light chant of Shayna. And then Nia Jax realizes, yes, we are losers. So she headbutts Reginald and they leave. They dump Reginald. And then Reginald just gets up and he's recovered in remarkable amount of time. When Akira Tozawa runs out from what looked to be the remaining three members of the 24-7 club... And into the ring he goes, and Reginald hits this spinning cross body and a running cannonball to pin Tozawa, and then backflips his way up the ramp as the new 24-7 champion. So, Reginald, uh, you've made it. You know, like, they put this match out there, and we wonder, oh, what's the reason for it? The reason for it was to create a backdrop for this hard pivot for Reggie's separation from Natalia, sorry, Naya and Shayna and his um, singles push as a 24-7 champion here um you know i can't say it's a bad fit for reginald i think um you know it allows him to display his evasive acrobatics uh you know character shift be damned the guy just all of a sudden feels like he's a bit of a baby face now doing all these kind of fun flippy moves i mean vince must must just really love this guy you know, and, and his ability to do flips because they, they give him, I would say, a lot more opportunity than I think the fans have, or at least reaction online has warranted. But 
Yeah, it's it's a decent fit for him. I I'll be honest, I was disappointed that Shayna and Nia aren't actually breaking up because I I feel like I've kind of had enough of of that run, and uh, I'd rather see Shayna go for a singles push. But that team seems to be sticking together for now. I mean, they they are very low on teams now. With the had they paired Naomi with anyone after Lana? Who who were they teaming her? Oscar. Oscar. Yeah. So I mean, that was kind of a team. And Dana Brooke and Mandy are gone. Mm-hmm. Like, this is literally your only team on Raw. I guess so. Time to bring up more NXT random people to pair them up. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they'll... Uh, yeah. hey, how, about, how about Aaliyah and Zia Lee together as a team? Sure. Yeah. Could happen. They announced Karrion Cross is making his Raw debut tonight. The Harbinger of Sorrow. I'll say. If that didn't summarize what was to come. The Harbinger of Sorrow. Sheamus and Humberto Carrillo for the United States Championship. This sounds like an emo band. <laughs> Dude, we're going to see the Harbingers of Sorrow tonight. They're <laughs> badass. Yeah. Friday's Harbinger of Sorrow. <laughs> you throw like a day of the week in there. Yeah, they're playing their hit song, Carrion. <laughs> Damian Priest came all the way to Dallas to uh, watch TV. Uh, Carrillo was much more aggressive here. He stopped a forearm smash, or got hit with a forearm smash from the floor. And then an apron bomb is hit by Sheamus. Sheamus goes for his Dublin smile. And Carrillo bit his fingers to get free. He's attacking with leg kicks. Sheamus sits down on the turnbuckle, and it looked like he was trying to adjust his finger back into place. I don't know what he was doing here. That didn't look fun. And Carrillo hits a missile drop kick. Carrillo looked look good here. Uh, but then Carrillo punches the face mask, hurts his hand, and this stuns him as he's hit with a headbutt and a brogue kick and loses in 10-14. I'm sorry, but Creo just looked like a fool here at the end after he punched a metal mask, and this ended his offense, and Sheamus retained the title. I mean, he was caught up in the heat of the moment. You know, he's got his combos that he's practiced a lot. These guys have very physical matches, these two. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could see the end result, both of them getting injured uh, throughout some iteration of their matches. Good little match, I have to say. You know, they, there's a great deal of intensity whenever these two are together. Uh, it, it brings out a lot of that from Carrillo that we don't usually see. I thought he did a good job here. Um, the announcers, I feel like, did a good job. I, I really feel like, actually, Jimmy Smith has, like, like meshed really well with the other two and, and has really kind of, you know... Look, he's not the best commentator in the world, and I, I, I don't even, I hate to even like use that as, as a sentence, but he, I think, is doing a lot better than a lot of people expected. He um, can convey a good energy. He's clearly into the product. Like you can say, like this guy is a studying nut. Uh, like he knows what he knows, and what he doesn't, you can see he's trying to do the legwork so that, like, he does not feel out of step calling. He's any not of embarrassed this. himself. No. At all. Like, if yeah. you caught on last night's show, like, he was mentioning what happened. Like, something, I can't remember what the line was, but something specific about last year's show. And it wasn't just, like, the winner or something. But, like, you got the sense, like, this guy probably sat down and watched last year's Money in the Bank. And mm-hmm. just, like, I'm sure this is a guy, like, no doubt, he said it himself, like, that he was going to immerse himself in this. And, you know, he is 
he's done a fine job in this role. So he he probably can't wait for that peacock to catch up on all the old shows. Uh, he yeah, absolutely. So Bobby Lashley and MVP are out for the open challenge. Bobby says he did all of his talking last night, and MVP says that they are lucky to be here in Bobby Lashley's presence. He brings up the Dallas Cowboys and that it's been decades since you people have seen a winner. He says that Kofi Kingston was right. The champion had lost his edge with the women and the champagne, but it lit an inferno inside of Bobby Lashley, and anyone that challenges him will face utter annihilation and decimation. No one will take this championship from Lashley. No more women, no more champagne, no more games, no more bullshit, which they censored this time. Oh, they did. Yes. Make for a nice t-shirt. No they call champagne. Bobby the most dominant champion in the history of this company. And Lashley asks who is going to answer the challenge. And there to answer it is Keith Lee, who has been gone since February. A real big surprise. I mean, they do uh, call him Texas's own Keith Lee here. Uh, but a, a big surprise because I feel like the anticipation, of course, was Goldberg. When Keith Lee came out, I mean, you risk the crowd being disappointed, but I would say that he received a good response, and maybe to some fans, maybe even an improvement over Goldberg. I, I had a lot of thoughts about this. So so Lee comes out, and they have a relatively short match. They went just under six minutes. Um, Lee was in control early. He got to do his like mid-ring crossbody, and then Lashley takes over. He avalanches him against the post. MVP distracts and Lashley nails him on the apron, hits a running spear on the floor, and then goes for the hurt lock. And Lee is able to throw Lashley off and then lifts and uh, Lashley lifts and slams him and finally hits the spear to pin Keith Lee in 550. So at the end of this, I'm just thinking that, okay, you've got Keith Lee coming back. Was did he have to be thrown in front of the Mack truck on this show back? Like, this was the role that should have been for Xavier Woods. Yeah. He stands up for his friend who's not here tonight. He doesn't have Kofi with him. And he gets brutalized. Fine. Uh-huh. Keith Lee, goddamn do they need baby faces on this show. And he comes out and, like, why put him in the line of fire here on your first night? It's like... We want to make this as hard as possible for us to get somebody over with our audience. He should have We've done got to slot to... him immediately as not at this level. He should have done this to Karrion Cross. You know, you're gonna you're gonna fuck Karrion Cross up anyway. Might as well I'm not even kill the NXT champion. If your idea was to beat Karrion Cross, like I almost would have rather Karrion Cross confronts Bobby Lashley. I don't care if it's heel on heel, and we just get. <laughs> Dude, they, the, they both, the loss of carrying cross is something more important. <laughs> they're both they're both terrible ideas, so I, they shouldn't have done it. But you're absolutely right. I think Keith Lee was was did not need to be in this position. Um, you know, Lee is a guy that you can potentially build to a big match against a Bobby Lashley for a pay per view. You do this, and there's really no interest to that whatsoever anymore. You firmly instead, I, I will say at least they both Keith Lee to be far more competitive than a Kofi Kingston. So in a viewer's mind, Keith Lee at least ranks above a Kofi Kingston in terms of, uh, uh, I suppose, dominance. But 
you know, ultimately you kind of killed the man's chances of being a main event level threat on the first night. And that's really unfortunate because it was really nice to see Keith Lee back here, clear from whatever issues he was dealing with. The big return should have been a big moment. And it was in front of a, uh, a Texas crowd in front of any crowd. It would have been, but I think the end result is, uh, is one that really kind of kills that, that momentum. Unfortunately, it's just like you have this fresh opportunity to reintroduce him. Like I just, think you could have easily slid Woods into this role uh, and accomplished everything else. Anybody else. Like there's just, there's a storyline connection with Woods and that would just naturally lead you to, you know, you still play everything out the same way. So Lashley's see, I understand them like wanting to continue, like they want it to be an impressive Bobby Lashley match. And why would they see? And and they probably wanted a, at least a lengthy Bobby Lashley match. And how can Woods potentially go ten minutes with Bobby Lashley when Bobby Lashley had no issue at all with Kofi Kingston? That's my reasoning. And also the fact that they're in Texas, I imagine they wanted to use tonight to like redebut him. Um, but I, I Lee is somebody Re- that's worth debut him on this show. I'm not. I have nothing against using him on this show. But man, yeah. give me something here. Like it's he could, he could have won a two on one against a slapjack and uh, sorry, what's his name? Uh, T bar and Mace, sir. This, I just think they make it way harder than pro wrestling needs to be for a company that preaches momentum. I wish they could understand. They need they need to take a science course. Bill Goldberg's theme plays. He comes out, huge pop, uh, nearly lost his watch in the process of doing his entrance. And he walks into the ring and screams, I'm next. And MVP gets between them, stops Lashley, done. Keith Lee should have yelled those words and then just walked off. Would have got a SummerSlam match out of it. You know, Kate on the show last night brought up um, that she noticed, she thinks that there's been crowd audio manipulation and I I was privy to it watching throughout the show last night. But when Goldberg came out here, I definitely found it suspicious because these Goldberg chants just kept going, going. When you look at the crowd, I mean, portions of the crowd were doing it, but it didn't. It's hard. Again, it's really hard to tell because I'm, I'm looking only at a snapshot of the crowd in the background. How can I tell how loud that actually sounds? But if there is a time for them to pipe in a Goldberg chant, I feel like it would be in this particular scenario. Um, and maybe they, you know, like ultimately it's like, it's, it's a part of the, the TV show that they're crafting. So if they want to play with it, who, who's to say they're even wrong. But um, I don't know. Did you have any thoughts about that? Um, I mean, I, I took it as like, he's a big star coming out. Like I expected a big reaction. Like I took that, like I can't speak to like Goldberg chants in there, but that that pop when he came out that sounded like a full arena reacting to a megastar with an iconic entrance coming out. Like I, that's exactly the reaction I would have expected. Yeah, they certainly treated him like a star from what we could tell. But I am going to be a bit more skeptical now. Lashley and MVP were in the back, and Kevin Pat Kevin Patrick has just become like the shit disturber reporter that just gets into people's faces at the times that they're about to explode and just throws like a question about just to push them over the limit. And MVP says, we're not even going to dignify what Goldberg did with a response. It was disrespectful. I would love if like we had like, I don't know, like a blog, a secret blog of like Kevin's, 
perspective, like thinking up all the terrible ways he's going to annoy these wrestlers tonight. Jinder Mahal is out with a beer and Shanky and announces, <laughs> it's my 35th birthday. Or he announces his birthday. He's turning 35. You know whose birthday it was as well today? Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get there. Was it someone else's beyond someone on the show? It was somebody on the show. Okay. It was also Brent Chittenden's birthday. So happy birthday to Brent. Happy birthday, Brent. Everyone was wow. born on July 19th. You don't know who show else? Up, don't show up on Raw, Brent Chittenden, on your birthday. Terrible yeah. place to be. Horrible, horrible idea. You know who turns 13 today? Or on Monday? Who? Affliction Band. Wow, 13 years. Yes. You're going to put the, the teenage on? years. For old time's sake? No, definitely not. Uh, but we go back to Jinder's birthday party, and they recap the feud and the attack at Money in the Bank. Jinder says, I can buy 10 more motorcycles if I want. But Drew, you will never get another title shot as long as Bobby Lashley is champion. And with that, he hands the microphone over to Shanky to sing Happy Birthday. Shanky became one of my favorite people here. He sang this brutal edition of Happy Birthday. That was perfect. This crowd wanted this guy to get murdered with 34 chair shots by the time he started singing. And with that, Drew McIntyre appeared in the ring with a chair. The other, He just attacked everyone, and Shanky was the one left. And Drew proceeded to drill this dude with 14 chair shots to the back. He breaks the chair from all these shots right on the back. The crowd chants one more time. They're just sadists. He goes to the floor. He gets a brand new chair. And dude, 20 more chair shots. Cut, 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 In between every chair shot. I was like, put my arms up going down the roller coaster here. 34 chair shots this man took to his back. And they posted a video after of him and his, like, his whole, like, trap is completely bruised. It just looks awful. But this was, you know, this segment, like, you can say what you will about a Drew Jinder program, but this was a strong angle for Drew to come back from after the way in which he was taken out of the match on Sunday. And, dude, they just destroyed shanky here i i felt bad for this guy by the end of it he he like attached poor shanky worse than he did that motorcycle last week man he uh man this was brutal i hope shanky's okay it's gonna be a, a tough morning for him but i hope this know, wasn't like a rock uh, mick foley situation where it's like they agreed to a certain number of chair shots and then rock just played off the crowd and went to town kate says maybe it was shanky's birthday too Yes, maybe. Um, Drew's had a couple good appearances over the past two nights, and um, I think now is the time when we'd really need them. We had no more history lesson from Drew again today. Instead, it was him doing something that was very appealing to this crowd, hitting this poor man with 34 chair shots. Uh, the coolness is coming back. Yeah, and fortunate that it had to take a man taking 34 chair shots to get there. But, you know, Drew is fighting off whatever mixed reaction I feel he, he was starting to get last night. We get a carrying cross vignette and he makes his entrance, which uh, n- not with Scarlet comes out with the championship. And it just feels so disconnected that, you know, here's the champion 
We've eliminated Scarlet from the act, which to me, it just like the entrance is such a big thing. He felt so flat coming out here. And and beyond that, we we've only seen Karen Cross in small, tiny venues. You know, like we've seen him in right. either the, the CWC or like, I guess, was he a part of Full Sail when they were doing it? Like maybe the MT Full Sail, whatever. Like only small kind of more intimate settings where he looks a lot bigger. When he is the only person standing there in that massive raw Tron, he looks like a cruiserweight, unfortunately. And maybe he is, like weight-wise. And that shouldn't stop somebody's, you know, from from, from being a successful star. But unfortunately, like the lack of Scarlet, him just kind of walking out there without much of a special entrance or a special look to him, it, it just was not impressive, nor necessarily somebody that, I don't know, feels like um, a leader of, of an entire division. You're also not going to have the, the the size factor either where he towers over these like a lot of the opponents he's paired with. Like even even a Jeff Hardy, like the size was not a... A, a noticeable one for, for Cross here. Jeff Hardy comes out and they have given him no more words uh, back as his theme, which was perfect for my feelings after watching this. Uh, they state that Hardy is rejuvenated and he's got a pep in his step. No rationale for this other than music, I guess. Pep in his step. Okay. Yes. Uh he is cu- he is uh, coming off his last uh, match was on main event losing to Veer, so he is now riding a wave of momentum from that loss. It's the music. Karrion uh, Cross hit a bunch of suplexes and then he ran his shoulder into the post, which was his official welcome to Raw. And then Hardy hits the twist of fate, misses with the Swanton, and as Cross goes for the strike to the back of the head, Hardy avoids it, uses a sunset bomb, and then puts his feet onto the rope for leverage and pins the NXT champion, the undefeated in singles action oh, NXT man. champion, carrying cross. The man is, they lost a tag match. That's all he has lost in NXT. Wow. He drops this one in a minute 41. Happy birthday, carrying cross, because much like the candles on your cake tonight, they blew it. <laughs> It was a really bad debut for Karrion Cross, And, you know, him, unfortunately, carrying the NXT title with him just really makes that entire brand look minor league. Yes, I understand Jeff Hardy it, cheated. It, everyone would have been pissed if he ditched the title, but way, it only oh, no. added more of, like, what a rinky-dink belt this is that this guy is... Like, dude, Jeff Hardy has been slotted significantly over this past year. I thought... I just... I was mesmerized watching this. I I had so, no more words. I mean, <laughs> yes. So the I mean the their justification is that okay, Jeff Hardy cheated. Um, and last week, let's not forget they booked Xavier Woods to beat Bobby Lashley with the promise of a follow up. I mean, with for a storyline reason, and that was to heat Bobby Lashley up to this level. It's worked for Bobby Lashley. I don't think you can afford the same with Karrion Cross, who is not at all. I mean, this was his debut. So he hasn't established anything. A lot of this audience doesn't even know who Karrion Cross is. And who those who have, he, he's already the unstoppable monster. That was where he already was on NXT. So to yeah. do this, this was a lot of people's first impression. Or to those that did know him, this was like a complete fumble of... Just an introduction, and it just is mind-blowing to me of where you're trying to create these stars, and 
It's like we we need to call people up. We need new stars. And this is how you just get a bunch of guys who are stuck in this middle. And it's – I don't know. You're yeah. struggling with Jeff Hardy. I don't care if he comes back and destroys this guy. It totally killed the Samoa Joe program. Uh-huh. Totally. I mean, I'm not not that I think they care at all about that. It's it's a very kind of disconnected, you know, uh, NXT with the rest of the the WWE. So it really kind of if you're an NXT fan, this is uh, quite disheartening. It, it reminds me a lot actually of when Taz lost to Triple H as ECW champion, which is kind of ironic given how you know somebody's doing that to. Triple but H. even them, even they, they got Taz's debut right. It was great. Oh, totally different. Totally different case. Could you imagine? Yeah. Like and that, that was, was your that introduction was... to Taz and Kurt Angle rolls him up and uses the rope in it's, Madison Square Garden? It's ridiculous. You, in that scenario, no way would I care to see Taz get revenge on Kurt Angle after that. But, you know, what makes this, this scenario even crazier is the fact that they, I mean, NXT is their own creation. And they're doing this to their own creation, which is crazy to me. I'm just trying to rack my brain thinking about how this could possibly help NXT in any way. Like, what can they book coming out of this that you could say, oh, I understand. Wait, wait. The NXT championship was seen by 2 million (laughs) people tonight. He was in there with a a star of the last 25 years. He was in the ring with him. Great And now he's going to bring these people back to NXT on Tuesday. Yeah, sure. This is huge rating. You got the rub. The rub. Hmm. All right. Yeah, mind blowing, absolutely mind blowing. But maybe not. It's just it, it's it's more indicative of a larger issue that we talk about. Of here comes SummerSlam, we better get Bill Goldberg. Why? Because we have nobody ready. Yeah, Kevin Patrick <laughs> gets into the ring. What did you think about losing your debut on Raw? <laughs> <laughs> Kevin was like on the sidelines salivating, getting ready to ask this question. Cross says that Jeff Hardy made the biggest mistake of his life and everyone will fall and pray. I hope that this guy prays. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm trying to think what can possibly follow this to justify this debut. Um, I I love the argument that we can next week... He's going to kill somebody. He's like, why don't we do that immediately? Why don't we not fuck around and start like Bill Goldberg's push would have been so awesome if he started the streak with a loss and then he won 175 matches in a row and he was avenging that first loss. That would have been awesome. It would have been great if the Avengers just, you know, like completely treated Thanos like he was shit and just destroyed him in the first act of uh, the second Thor movie. Uh, and then now he can go on and get his revenge all the way through the next 20 movies. We go to Alexa's playground. This is a perfect follow-up to that last segment. Lily is back from her time out. Eva Marie and Dewdrop appeared. And Eva, who I thought was terrible in this segment, called Lily a gross little doll. Alexa warned Eva about saying anything bad about the doll. And... Eva jokes about tossing the doll in the trash. Alexa says, for your sake, I hope you don't. So Alexa suggests putting Dewdrop into a timeout to see Eva have to fight on her own. Eva goes to leave and trips because Lily has cast some 
fucking weed to come out of the grass to trip Eva. I don't know. This segment was awful, awful, awful. Oh, she's got telekinesis. She's got that. She's got mind control. So uh, she could have made her do this however she wanted. Anyway, um, you know, Lily is back. I mean, they're teasing this thing with Dewdrop and Alexa Bliss. And this shit has its supporters. You know, there are a lot of uh, Alexa loyalists who I think will, are enjoying it. They're loving this. Um, so maybe they can, maybe they thought this was cool. Sure. Yeah. I hope I hope you're loving all this. Styles and Omos are going to take on the Viking Raiders next week and the main event, Charlotte Flair, Rhea Ripley for the Raw Women's Championship. Uh they're playing up Ripley's injured leg from the night prior and it first picks up when Ripley is sent to the floor and starts favoring the knee it, and then it Flair was, runs it was injury also from the last segment and Charlotte uh, um kicked her in the knee. Uh Right, from the, yeah, the talking segment earlier on. Well, they, at the beginning, this was weird because Graves points out she's not showing any effects of this, uh, of this knee. And then she got sent to the floor and then the knee started to affect her. And then it became the focus. Flair chop blocks her and this chop block worked. This one did, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't the faulty chop block. Back from break, she's working on the knee, goes for the moonsault. Ripley puts her knees up, so that hurts it further, but blocks the moonsault. And then Ripley applies a figure four that Flair reverses, and we get the rope break. Ripley is now kicking at Charlotte's knee, and she hits a riptide, which was so severe that it knocked out my feed. It knocked out my feed, too. This was Peacock's Revenge on Canada. This was a mess at the end. I didn't even get to see the finish. I totally missed it. The, the feed died. All of a sudden, we go to commercials. And then, out of nowhere, Raw comes back on. And Flair's music is... Or, sorry, Ripley's music is playing. While Flair has her title. As they explain that Flair has lost by DQ. But, therefore, is still the champion. They continue to fight. And Flair is hit with a riptide on the floor. And with that, Nikki A.S.H. Runs out. Cash is in the briefcase, high cross, and pins Charlotte in 12 seconds to win the women's title and goes to celebrate in the crowd as the show goes off the air. Yeah. Uh, it was this a night of brilliant very... because now you have set up the reason why Nia Jax pinned Nikki was to create a challenger. So I can't wait okay. till they do that title match and that loss makes sense from a few weeks uh-huh. ago. Right. You know, um, so watching this, I, I would say maybe um, a lot of people are probably still expecting Becky. Instead of Becky, we had Nikki Cross come out to do the cash-in. Everybody popped huge for the cash-in, as they always do. Satisfies the crowd enough for the lack of Becky Lynch. But I'm not into it. I don't think Nikki Ash is hot enough for the role. She's too new. Um, and the gimmick is too kind of... Um, mid-card for me like she's I, she's crash holly like i know the comparison is mighty molly but it's like she is like that same like crash holly was you know this is kind of who they're pushing like this underdog champion that i do think they'll they'll run with like i feel she's going to be now involved will, in this title picture now uh, uh sure but i mean so so what match do you see at SummerSlam? I I don't know what what you're going to be doing because I 
I almost get the sense of like some multi-women kind of thing here. I suppose. I just feel like um, I don't have that much faith that she will be perceived as a main attraction whatsoever, simply because she has the belt. To me, it's a move that lowers the value of the title rather than increases Nikki's. Um, and I just, I don't know. I don't even think the character is. Maybe really she's all gonna that defend well it and beat the clock challenges. Maybe is she is she a superhero now? That will be determined next week if the title gets her her wings. Okay. Uh, honestly, I, I kind of look at it as like, hey, this is a big show coming off of this show. We need a big event. We already have one briefcase on another show. We don't need to hang around. So let's cash it in. Let's do it tonight for a big event to get people talking. And I'm just, I, I ultimately don't have that much faith that a new star was made here. Yeah, it. It was obviously it was done for the night and for that crowd to go off with something notable. Um, I, I, I'm I'm kind of with you. Like it's it's a like I don't dislike this character. I think Nikki is very good in the it's role. A good mid card character for now with the potential of getting up there to the main event. This is too soon in my opinion. See, see, I don't know if I see this as a main event gimmick in with the best portrayal. Like yeah, I think at not. the end of it, it's a superhero gimmick um which is fine i think it's got a shelf life to it unless nikki turns out to be just so great that she can extend the life of this character but it feels like one of those characters that they're gonna run with and then it's one where it's just gonna halt and then she comes back down to earth and i don't sense it's like we're, we're only in front of crowds week one like, we don't even know if this is going to be a big hit with fans. They've certainly given a reason for her to be now a pushed character and for the audience to be with her. But but today, I don't I don't consider either day to be really any, any indication because last night she won. Crowd's going to pop for a victory. And the crowd's always going to pop for a cash-in because they're there to see what they consider to be a historical event. The real test is two weeks from now. What what is the reaction going to be like for her? You know, when she is set to defend her title against a bigger star, what's that reaction going to be like? Well, and it seems like what they're banking on is coming up with creative fluke ways for her to win, like with the ladder match and tonight. So it's like I get the sense it's okay, here are all these stars in the division, and she's again the crash holly role of like how is she going to outsmart these people and get these fluke wins to be the improbable champion? I just think that's like a kind of a short term. I think it's a terrible thing. gimmick for a champion. You know, it's a great gimmick for a 24 uh, seven winner. Um, at best, maybe like a, a man, even a tag team belt. Sure. But not your division champion. Yeah. Well, there that was that was the end of Raw. A lot on this show. We got several returns with uh, Goldberg, Keith Lee. The debut of Karrion Cross and the biggest return, Lily, is back. Lily is back. That's right. Yeah. 34 uh, chair shots to Shanky. Um, what is it? Uh, a lot of other stuff. So, uh, you know, it was a very eventful and I would say entertaining show if we're simply going by, hey, how did this show capture your attention? I thought this show did a great job of it. They fit a lot of that in there. Definitely questionable booking decisions coming out of it, though. Certainly, yes. Um, I, I thought there was some like absolutely perplexing uh, booking with Karrion Cross, and I would say with Keith Lee, I was also scratching my head. That just seemed to be such a 
like such a short term idea of, well, this is a great way to introduce him. And like, where, where is he next week? Uh, in the back, you know, talking to Riddle, going to grab a chicken sandwich with Damien Priest. I bet. Like Damien Priest is your perfect example. Like here's a guy who's just like sitting around. Well, Pri- Priest is getting set up for a Sheamus championship uh, match. I'm sure. Does he feel bigger than where he was for WrestleMania? Where is he right now? Well, you can argue that it took WrestleMania for at least people to recognize him in the position that he's in. He has definitely taken a bit of a backseat in recent months, but I I mean, I do feel like they're setting up that Sheamus victory as like a big moment for him. I hope so, because we really need more top baby faces and not grooming guys for like US title levels. Like it's just, Damian Priest would be one that like, for the fall, like you need to get these Keith Lees and these Damian Priests and Riddles up to a certain level. And it just seems that there is such a disparity between get, getting to that top level. Like it's that the very few that they see high enough that the audience will take to. And the rest are all like your Kofi Kingston levels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But maybe Karrion Cross will be the game changer. Or maybe Jeff Hardy will. Maybe Jeff Hardy. This is the pep in this step that he's been waiting for. I think Karrion should uh, look at the main event tonight and realize what's holding him back is his last name. Needs to get that cross out of there. Well, she's got, she's lost the last name. You joke. They probably would have changed his name if Nikki was still Nikki Cross. Or Nikki would have lost her last name. One of the two. That's probably part of the reason. But, I mean, yeah. look at it. It's led to great success. So maybe Karrion A.S.H., Carrying a superhero, yeah, yeah. Let's go on over to the forum. I'm sure there's a lot of feedback to this show. Uh, a four point seven five tonight. I think that speaks to a lot of the booking because it was an energetic crowd. It was a raw that was very fast paced because they had pretty much something big for almost every segment. Um, but. I, I can see a lot of frustration as well with tonight's show. So, sometimes, like, yeah, I let's let's read what the feedback is because I, I feel like a lot of it. Sometimes, like these ratings, what people vote on the board depends on like the outcome of the main event, and people are upset by, or or, or maybe it's probably the Karen Cross thing. So let's let's just dive in. Daniel writes, tonight was the first time I've stayed up till 4 a.m. UK time to watch Raw in a long time. It started so well with a great Cena promo and bro off with Riddle. And from then on, this was like almost every other Raw I've seen for the past year, but it will be glossed by some as exciting due to the return of fans, the appearance of Cena, Goldberg, Keith Lee, who was squashed by Lashley, and by far the most outrageous creative of the night for me, Karrion Cross's debut. They gave him no chance to get over on his own with the generic entrance and killed him dead by having the babyface Jeff Hardy cheat to give Cross his first loss in WWE. Why? And to round off the evening, we have a babyface aspiring superhero cashing in on a beaten down champion. So inspiring. For such an anticipated show, it was desperately poor. We got a Paul from New Jersey who says, Cross debuts just to lose to a guy who jobs regularly. Keith Lee returns just to get smashed. I don't understand wrestling anymore. I don't get it. This was a terrible show. Happy for Nikki. Three. Noah from Vaughn, the pros. Somehow I managed to watch all three hours of Raw live. John Cena was entertaining. The cons. Raw was back to normal. And by normal, I mean abysmal. So many damn rematches, and they've managed to somehow kill a hot Texas crowd with some of the most boring matches I can recall seeing. 
Hardy Cross and Lee Lashley were both so perplexing. I gotta feel bad for Triple H. All the work they spent on those two guys have amounted to nothing on the main roster. I really like Nikki Cross, but this gimmick is not championship material at all in my opinion. Another 24-hour title reign for Charlotte was so stupid. Why would I be impressed of her being an 11-time champion when her longest reign is just 147 days? And here's a fact. Charlotte's last four main roster singles title reigns have lasted 19 days. Not average, total. Terrible show. Three out of ten. Okay, we go to Aaron from Brampton who says, It's been a while since I've watched the full three hours of Raw, but tonight's episode felt special. I can see how some people might not be happy with certain booking decisions, but I was pretty entertained tonight. It felt like a Raw after Mania with all the returns, debuts, and surprises. Speaking of returns, do you guys foresee Bray Wyatt making a return for SummerSlam? And if so, what feud do you think would be best for him? I I don't see a program for him for SummerSlam. Uh, like I I don't know what the uh, the the absence is, like what is behind it. Uh, but if he is ready to come back, that would be someone I would just save for the fall, and I would give some serious thought into drastically retooling this character and dialing it back significantly grounding it like god knows they need a baby face and i'm not saying bray is the best option but there is there's elements that you can shelve this fiend character it doesn't have to be completely discarded but retool it and it can work within the body uh, like learn from this and you can still lean on the fiend for a big gimmick match down the road but they they do need baby faces and bray there was that one WrestleMania where they briefly turned him babyface and they worked the night after. I think it was the year they were in, uh, at AT&T Stadium. Like, the crowd can get into this guy in a, in a babyface way, but he would be someone I, I would look to like a post-SummerSlam return if he is ready. I would really like to see him out of the title picture. I mean, I feel like he is at the status right now where you can just have him pop in occasionally just to kind of punish, you know, a heel and get out of there, you know, staying away. Like the way that they would book uh, like an Undertaker when he was starting to make rare appearances, have him come in here, beat up the bad guy, and then just kind of get out of there. Sell your merch and move on. Um, I I think like the long matches is really, for me, one of the issues. But everything else about it, the entrance, you know, the look, it, those are the positives. So... We got a Justin from Atlanta who says, First time I watched all three hours of Raw in quite some time, and I regretted most of it. Some decent moments, but they were outweighed by baffling booking decisions or matches we have all seen before. I'm happy to see Keith Lee return and Nikki win the women's title. Poor timing with an NXT promo airing showing Karrion Cross to be a monster during the commercial break after his loss. Four Eva Marie trips out of ten. Next up, we go to Muggin. I wound up breaking my skip raw rule for one night to see if the momentum from Money in the Bank would carry over. In some ways, it didn't. It didn't that much of a difference, despite a lively Dallas crowd. It started off on the right foot with Cena addressing his intentions about Reigns without spelling it out. Some of the matches tonight ranged from decent to do not care. I did like Keith Lee coming back to face Lashley in his first match back, only to get beat. Then came Goldberg. It's the same song and dance as five months ago. Carrying Cross without Charlotte, without Scarlet showing up was unexpected. I love Jeff Hardy getting no more words, but Cross losing makes NXT look weak. Nikki Ash cashing in to become champion was a surprise ending that needed a mic drop. Becky Watch continues. 
Kate says, I can look at the show in two ways. First, it was clearly built around Three Peaks mental hoke viewers, Cena, Goldberg, and the Inn, which I think a lot of people expected to be Becky, but turned out to be Nikki's cash-in. The crowd was invested in her tonight, so I don't think there was much disappointment. Second, it was a hodgepodge of questionable booking decisions connecting the dots. As good as a reaction that as Keith Lee got, this didn't feel like a resurrection as much as a one-off, and they've already put themselves in the position of having to rehabilitate Cross after one match. For me, I found the weird booking dominated, but I don't think... But I think that a lot of fans will enjoy the star power of Cena and Goldberg. I mean, they they were the two biggest reactions on the show. Mm-hmm. And they were going to be. I mean, those were the two big stars that you were bringing in here. All right. That is all of the feedback tonight to, uh, I guess, a... I'm not even going to say a polarizing edition of Raw. I think most people were pretty consistent in their, their feedback. I don't think there's going to be too many defenders of some of the the booking on this show. But, I mean, they've got a very big show in SummerSlam that has sold a ton of tickets. And if there is a positive, it does feel like they they have a plan of where they are going towards for SummerSlam. It does not feel as though this is like week to week and we don't know where they're going. I think there's like that that anticipation of where they're going with with certain people that are not programmed yet, but they at least have a card for SummerSlam to work to. And you have the novelty with with fans back. So I think there's a lot of things riding in WWE's favor at the moment with its fan base, even with its dissenting fan base that is willing to give this, like they're curious with fans back of like, what is here for this big show that they're building up for next month. But There was also a lot of stuff on this show that, to me, just underscores a lot of foundational problems that are consistent year over year. And you're at this point where there's so few new stars made because this is a company that has very much struggled to make new stars. And you question, like, does do they have that capability to just take somebody and understand weaknesses and strengths and be able to carve out a path that gets them to a level like they have done it with certain people, but it is few and far between. I, I, I'm still fully confident that SummerSlam is going to be an excellent show. I think the reactions will be great. I think the matchups will probably vary in quality, but I think for the most part, they will be fantastic because look at this roster. Like in ring, there's no question that they can deliver what they can deliver and they can overcome whatever shitty story is told. But tonight, I felt like WWE had a chance to really grab viewers to watch their weekly show, to show that their three hours every Monday can be thoroughly entertaining and I suppose, you know, uh, I suppose maybe rewarding enough for an audience to maybe not upset and enrage them. And, um, you know, judging by at least the reaction from our board today, it was mostly um, an entertaining, but maybe um, cynical experience that people are, are, were left with through some very questionable booking decisions. And, uh, uh, but can you imagine if you just did things a little different, like, Keith Lee shows up as a surprise and he murders Elias in two minutes and this place goes wild and that's it. Jeff Hardy comes out to no more words and unannounced Karrion Cross decimates him on the ramp. And next week you get Karrion Cross and Jeff Hardy. Karrion Cross has shown up, holds up the NXT title over Jeff Hardy's dead body and they've cut off his 
theme that people have waited to hear. Just these little things, and you go off that, man, there's some fresh faces on this show. They seem to really be behind Keith Lee and Karrion Cross. Like, one of the things that I enjoy the most about AEW now is, like, this this young contingent of stars they have that feel like this this wave that is taking over the program. Like, you've got Guevara and MJF and Darby and Hangman Page and Jungle Boy and it's fun to be watching like these stars cr- being created in front of your eyes well, and the raw, audience raw, is raw. taken to them. Vince McMahon is creating he- his own stars. They just aren't necessarily the stars that much of the audience wants. They are guys like Jackson Riker. They are Omos. They, they, they are pushing. Are... I would not say they have created stars with any of these people. Pushing, sure. They are giving the appropriate airtime and booking, favorable booking to people such as in those positions. And guys that maybe he doesn't see at that level, um, he is not. Uh, and that includes, you know, Keith Lee is not was not in a terrible position. He is placed at an upper mid-card role, I would say, after tonight. But he is also a guy with the potential to be a main eventer in the top spot. And that definitely felt diminished tonight. So, um, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's going to be a constant, maybe, um, struggle between what it feels like the audience wants and what the WWE wants the audience to want. All right. Thank you to everybody for joining us live in the zoom room tonight or downloading the show afterward. We're going to be back Tuesday night to review black widow. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be available for all patrons of the post wrestling cafe. This is our Patreon. This is our livelihood. Uh, this is the way you could support all of our podcasts, all of our website work, and get a bunch of bonus shows to go with it. Friday Night Smackdown, our Tuesday MC reviews, uh, our Rewind Aways. If you choose to support us at a very extra top, higher level, you can become a double-double patron and get live access to Raw and Dynamite post shows right after the show's end. So great deal there for everybody that's out there. Postwrestlingcafe.com. We'll speak with you on Tuesday night and looking forward to chatting with WH Park and Way about Black Widow.